This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast with Roscoe, the Fanalist, and Southey. Hello, we are back, and it is me again, Steph, the Fanalist, taking the lead while Roscoe and Southey are still behind the scenes in movie land. But we have some exciting news because today we are joined again by our friend Justin, hockey historian Bean. How you doing, Bean? Hello, hello. Not too bad. Uh, was a little cold today working up in Gravenhurst, <laughs> but I I survived it, and it was only minus twenty six. I think only. so. Not too too bad. <laughs> boys, boys rewarded rewarded me with a good win. So. Yes. That's always good. And I am so pleased to announce that today we have an extra special guest, special guest, who is joining us all the way from New South Wales, Australia, Leafs Nations, Sarah underscore Sarah Sarah underscore was. Sorry, I already screwed that one up. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. It's it's honestly just a pleasure to have you guys on the show. I mean, we're a community-based show, and since day one, we always talked about meeting people from Leafs Nation and just enjoying the passion of the Leafs together with anyone we can. And just like Bean, who also reached out to us on Twitter uh, of wanting to come on the show, and yes, we love to provide that opportunity for everyone, but... uh, of course, we have some burning questions, you know, since you're from down under, Aussie land. <sighs> Sorry, horrible accent. But uh, Sarah, we got to know, where did your passion for the Leafs come from? And how did you end up being a hockey fan? Like, is there ice down there or what's going on? <laughs> there is no ice where I am. There's about 600 k's to the nearest ice rink and please don't ever ask me to ice skate because I will land on my butt and that's it's inevitable right. Um, My leaf story therefore is probably a little different to some of you guys. I didn't grow up with hockey. I followed the league about three to four years ago when I really needed a sport that no one in my family knew anything about because that way I could know more than they did. Wow. And and then why the Leafs? Well, about three to four years ago, the uh, John Tavares left the Islanders and I was sort of astounded about how that was handled and the the uproar from their beloved captain choosing to defect. And, <laughs> you know, I just thought this, this guy is trying to do the right thing by himself and his family and they were being slaughtered. So naturally I followed him. And since then... I think watching Carl Dubas put these teams together, looking at the combinations that are coming out with with the big four obviously being the headline act and how we make the rest of the work underneath it. And then I suppose this season it became easier because ESPN took the telecast on, so all of a sudden I could watch Leafs live <laughs> in real time and nice. get all the, the heartrake as well. So that's why this year it's kind of Leafs Twitter and Leafs everything. Yes. I don't blame you for jumping on the, I don't know if it was the bandwagon because you stayed on, but when JT came into town, of course, that was a huge headline being a hometown boy and, you know, the whole PJ, (laughs) the story and all that stuff. So 
oh, happy to have you. That's awesome. And, you know, I was I was doing some research, too, about some Australian hockey leagues just to see if they even exist, you know. And, of course, my brain automatically just searches into Google Australian Hockey League. And it wasn't until I looked into the kookaburras that it's all field hockey. And I was like, oh, my God. Whereas in Canada, you need to search field hockey instead of just hockey. And then you get the different results. So that was interesting. That's that's exactly right. I think we've got one Australian player. Um, Nathan Walker is the only Aussie playing over in the – in the NHL, and then arguably he's actually a Welsh-born Australian anyway. So is he one of us or? (laughs) Is he one of us? That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's tonight, man. Now, Go ahead, Dean. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Steph. Um, Sarah, I have a couple friends who grew up in New Zealand. I know not the same. I'm not going to go there. I don't want to insult you. Um. But they said growing up, they were always able to get basically the Stanley Cup final, and that's about it. That's correct. I don't. I didn't think hockey existed apart from that last game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> that- and then, um, thank thank goodness for the internet and the recaps and and the like. So that got me up to date. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Especially you say ice is six hundred kilometers away. Damn. <laughs> I don't live in a city, so it's yeah. <laughs> wow. But anyways, let's let's get to the game, guys. I mean, the ducks came up north for some good old duck hunt, or I mean, I don't know what really went on. It did go to shootout though, and the Leafs prevailed in a four three win against the Ducks. And a lot of changes tonight. I I mean we saw the lineups get mixed a little. We Kashi was back, Hall was back, Muzzin still out, but practicing. The Ducks also coming off a two-game win streak against the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Boston Bruins. So you know they they were ready, they were hungry, and that showed. But yeah, and back to empty stands, guys. Ah. Mm-hmm. So sad. The the Ducks definitely did us a favor the last couple games against some of our divisional opponents. Yes. (laughs) Taking those points away from them. Thank you. And, hey, we gave them one point tonight. But, I mean, it could have been worse, especially at that 3-1 moment. But to start off, or go. Coming in. Oh, sorry, Steph. No, please. Coming into the game, too, Anaheim historically has done horrible in Toronto. 20 wow good to know you know i would have thought right off the top of my head that they were kind of like arizona in a sense where they always do well against the leaves even though they're always on the bottom of the standings but hey anaheim's doing really well this year i mean that rookie core do you want to call it the young core i don't know what to call it but impressive and yeah we lost beam for a sec but let's just go right into the first period i mean the first couple minutes it was kind of back and forth the the speed was there the it was such a high paced game in my opinion but of course the anaheim ducks start the scoring off uh sam steel 
steal scores as he brings up the puck on the sideboards, passes it to Comtois, and the Leafs just got undressed on that play. I mean, <laughs> Sandine, though, oh, rookie move. But hey, we have to remember that he's still a young defender, just like our boy Lily. And such an unfortunate play where, I guess, is there a possibility that you have too much D in front of the net because it went off uh, Ingvall's stick right onto Spezza's shin and right in the net. It was certainly an unfortunate own goal for our boys in that one. Yeah. But we we jumped back and we recovered and kept the pressure on, which is probably a really good indication of the, the mental capacity and resilience of our team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm glad they kept pushing, but lots happened in that first period. Uh, Shattenkirk disputing and icing and getting that center face off. Uh, the team was livid when uh, before they actually got their way. So you saw a lot of guys, the, the elders on the team stepping up. Uh, but other things in the period happening, I, I, I noticed that the lines did mix up a little. Did you see that, Sarah? Yeah, there was a, a line where we had Nylander, JT and Marner out with about six minutes left to go in that first period. So I started to think, oh, hang on, we're not going to see all these talked about line changes. I was really sort of a little disappointed initially, but of course they they came up anyway and we got them back to the normal, well, normal new normal lines. Um, and then there was Lilligren's penalty. So like, I've skipped ahead for you there, Steph, and I apologise. No, but, please. Oh, I just felt so bad for him. It looked like it was an accidental or an incidental contact. It wasn't tripping. Yeah. And then to get sent to the locker room after is just heartbreaking. It looked like he pretty much got penalized for falling down. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, while he fell down, he took, who was it? Zegris down with him. And of he took the pretty boy. Yeah, the pretty boy. And of course, the, the Leafs go on a penalty just for that. And, but... Also, Lilligren, he was out after this, and I hope, wish for the best. Obviously, it's for precautionary reasons. He hit his head off the guy's knee, but wow. But uh, before that, I would just want to mention, I saw a uh, Nylander, Kerfoot, and Matthews line on the ice for a sec there, and Gibson was just getting peppered by then right before the first commercial bank uh, break and a lot of bank passes too off the end boards. Do you guys see that? Yeah. The, the, the pass and you can tell they've definitely had a lot of practice time over the last handful of days. Yes. Thankfully they're putting all the extra time to good use from the looks of it. The power play was looking really crisp. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, the one good thing off that little grin penalty is that uh, another penalty came out of it just from the pure workhorsemanship, if you want to put it that way, from guys like Mikhaev and Marner. Mikhaev drew that penalty on the boards, um, had a nice play trying to get it back up for Crowfoot in front of the net, but then he gets tripped, and we have a four-on-four for the next 20 seconds of the period. So, but... The Leafs, though, putting on a clinic tonight on that power play. I mean, so happy to see it. I'm for it. Uh, Marner, especially 
sinking that goal. I'm fourth goal in four games, third power play goal in four games. Wow. It was an absolute rocket. Sorry, Bean. Just I would oh, love to them to have the velocity on that one to find out exactly how much it would have hurt. Yes. <laughs> Beauty shot from way out on the point too. Marner doesn't normally get a lot of goals from that far out. The thing for me was that he received a kind of like a shot pass from Riley, but then there was no hesitation. And this is something I've been talking about for a while. Marner and his hesitation on the play and not know what like one too many extra passes and not really knowing what to do next but this was what we've been waiting for <laughs> but it, especially uh gibson being so surprised with that shot you expect matthews nylander jt anyone and marner to be the ma- magician to set the play up but whoo nice shot but moving on, Anaheim gets a penalty and Patron cross-checks Bunting. And this leaves our boy Bunting with his 23rd drawn penalty of the year. I think he's just a sucker for punishment, but it worked in our favor again. Yeah. Is he the Leafs little rat or is he the rat the Leafs? I think so. He, he is, but I, we got to find a better name for him. I know. I don't like it. Rat, I just continuously associate with Marshawn. Yeah. I know. I'm just trying to think of something else. Like, (laughs) can't be a possum or something. Like, it's like that rat is associated (laughs) with that dirty play, like Marshawn. But you're you're right. We need to find another name for him. But um, maybe it's a good thing we have Sarah on. She can think of one of them weird Aussie creatures. Because <laughs> every, everything down there is trying to kill you. So, oh, you should have seen some of the tweets the other day. Spider photos went on Twitter the other day. Oof. <laughs> Oof. That's the one thing I can't handle: spiders, especially, but insects in general. But oh, big spiders the size of your palm. Hell no. <laughs> yep, that's what it was. But we digress. I do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about, though, is in this first period, Hall, that somehow got a puck up the shorts that squeezed up his butthole or something and just would not shake out until he was on the bench for several minutes later, sits down, and finally finds the puck. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, is that the longest he's had the puck for the whole season? <laughs> oh, shots fired. Oh, nice. <laughs> I just found that such a funny moment. I mean, good thing we have the slow-mo replay all the cameras or he would be finding that puck later tonight, like in bed or something. <laughs> but Anaheim gets another penalty later in the period and Patrick, or we talked about Patrick cross-checking bunting, but not the outcome of that, which was Nylander scoring a wonderful power play goal, which was passed from Matthews to Riley, the JT puck retrieval. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely. It, it, it was nice to see like Tavares had, uh, basically was trying to make Gibson think he was going to do what 
Um, it was Marner to Matthews a couple of games ago, right? Marner was behind the net and yep. faked the goalie out out to Matthews, and JT just basically went to the other side of the net where, um, uh, what was the defender? I think it was Lindholm was trying to cover Matthews for the one timer and just completely left Nylander wide alone out front. That happened a lot tonight. I found and. Gibson was just robbing everyone left, right, and center. This guy, I I mean, the Leafs in the first period, they outshot, outshot the Ducks 17-5, to and the shot attempts were 28-8. to So, you know, the Leafs had control majority of the time, but I found the period to be extremely fast-paced. Uh, this young roster definitely showing off their speed and skills, and it kind of reminded me of our Leafs in their younger days, which wasn't that too long ago, right? But their first or second year where they play with a ton of speed, a little loosey-goosey, and the goalies saving you <laughs> again and again and again sort of scenario. What do you guys think about that? No? Yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree. Sorry, I was waiting for Bean. He looked like he was going to talk. <laughs> no, it's um, all good. <laughs> I I just thought the way the Leafs were able to bring it back to the Ducks and, and not let them get away with any of the sneaky stuff. And Gibson was initially looking for the the normal people who will shoot on those opportunities. So to have one going from Mana and then one from Willie when Austin was arguably in a better position – is probably how come those went through so much nicer. He wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and Gibby's just, like, he's been a very, very good goalie in the league for a long time, and there's been a lot of talk every now and then of maybe is are, are the Ducks going to try to move him? And obviously now it doesn't look like they will because they're putting quite a decent team together. Um. Yeah, it, I, I was getting flashbacks to Vomolka in the Arizona game. Yeah, the, the way he was standing on his head tonight, and I was just wondering if we were going to get one at all. Or it, well, obviously, with the power play, we did, but if we were going to get goalied again. You mean Vesmelka after that performance, if you don't count <laughs> any other game this season? That was something else, really, just watching that goaltender dive and stand on his head. You know, you don't want to do that to your goaltender, but at the same time, it's just so nice to watch from this perspective. <laughs> One, and you had two extremes, right? Like, as a goalie, yet I've never played at this high level, obviously, but one of the hardest things to do is what Campbell had to do. You go just long stretches of time without even seeing the puck. And then once you do see it, you're you know, a three on one as Silverberg is coming out of the box or something, right? Like it, one of those weird, unfortunate games for Campbell, but it's very, very difficult. And we were able to squeak out with the two points. So in the end, that's all that matters. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Gibson had a hell of a game. He posted 932 tonight. Uh, he, he faced 44 shots. So I saw some talk on Twitter actually saying that Jack Campbell has fell off of his game. He's been slumping a little and I don't like that. You know, I, I don't like that talk because to me, I think someone like Gibson tonight who's facing a lot of shots, they're they're on it every second of the game and they're 
they're always fully aware and kind of knowing what to expect at any point. But then you have a guy like Jack Campbell who faced nine shots in the first period and is waiting over five minutes between shots sort of thing. I can see where you fall off a little. Yeah, and I can't help but wonder of the impact of having Muzzin not in front of Jack's having as well. Like, take him or, like, like him or not, Muzzin adds a lot of physicality to this game and having a strong D in front of Campbell, I think, helps him out a lot. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of the D, we started off the second period without Lilligren, of course. Uh, hopefully he feels better for next game, but just have to be for sure that he doesn't have that concussion and everything's all right. But another thing I want to mention about Lil Grin is that people tend to forget that the guy is only 22 years old. This was his 36th career NHL game. So he's going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. And I know he gets confused for a 35 year old a lot of the time right? <laughs> because he doesn't really look that young, but he is young and he's a rookie. So leave him alone. Leafs Nation. <laughs> but second period. I still have such high hopes for him. Yes. Me too. Me too. This this is our future, right? This is literally this is our prospects coming up and guys we heard three plus years ago and finally seeing them full time on the ice. It's it's so exciting to witness. But Second period, I found that both sides were pinching a lot up and down the boards. The forecheck was super aggressive. Leafs getting robbed left, right, and center. <laughs> it was kind of, I don't know, ping-pongy in a sense because it was so fast. Yeah, it was It, it was a, one of those difficult games to try to describe right like in a way it was a little bit of a slow game because of Gibson standing on his head there wasn't really much going on but at the same time it was really fast paced like the game itself actually kind of flew by really Mm -hmm. considering there was a full 65 minutes of hockey and a shootout yeah definitely um I was so happy to see though that the Leafs did not take the foot off the gas in the second I was they just sustained the pressure Keith mixed up the lines a couple of times um it seemed like Willie Nylander was kind of like the utility player of the night moving from the third and second and first line throughout the game did you guys yeah, see that I think he was for sure he was paired with at one point uh Kerfoot and, Kerfoot and Matthews he was also paired with Tavares and Matthews and then, of course, he did seven minutes with his designated line three of Kerfoot Camp, Camp, Kerfoot Camp and Nylander. That was seven minutes time on ice. So. Wow. Hmm. But Matthew's almost one... had... Go ahead, Bean. No, sorry. <laughs> um, one of the nice things about the Leafs having so much talent spread out Um like you used to see it before. I, I, if I remember correctly, I think Babcock was really big on it. it was the first forward to change was a center. So mm-hmm. even if you had a, a winger come off, a center would come on. So then you would get these weird mismatch lines when you have a, a lot of play without a whistle. So then you can have an extended period of time. So say Matthews, Bunting, and Kasha was out there. Well, if Kasha comes out, 
Marner jumps on or Tavares jumps on, and then you have a mismatch line. So everybody kind of still gets time with everybody, even though their quote unquote line mm-hmm. isn't with that player, right? Yeah, definitely. And uh, something I found online that I thought was interesting was that uh, Nick D'Souza commented at the Leafs practice that the Nylander line reminded him of the HBK line of Hagelin, Benito, and Kessel that helped Pittsburgh win the Cup of 2016. In 2016. So I was super excited to see how this was going to pan out. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but... Well, we've all been... We've all been singing the praises of Nylander all year, right? Like he's, and you, you even hear it listening to different media broadcasts as well throughout the day on various talk radio. Nylander's proven this year he can drive a line. It doesn't matter who's on that line. Yeah. Um. He He's not just riding on someone else's coattails. He's not water skiing behind anybody, right? Yeah. He, he's taken it and he's really shown his leadership. So that's huge for the Leafs going forward they don't have to rely on one of the big three yeah definitely I remember the days of Nylander just gliding into the offensive zone and then swirling around and not forechecking back checking and everyone would be yelling like come on Nylander but this year he's like a whole new player I mean he wants to lead the line he has the goatee to go with that so if he wants to be daddy Man, a lot of people want him to be daddy, okay? (laughs) Oh, your face is funny, Bean. Sorry, that just came right out of my mouth. (laughs) I'm I'm just not going to comment. Oh, man, but... Anyways, the second period, uh, Sandine had a couple good good shots, ding off the pipe, of course, and uh, Gibson robs bunting a couple of times. Uh, nice pressure from our first line versus the fourth line of the Anaheim Ducks there, which was beautiful, of course, though they could not sink it. And another moment where the net knocks off right as Matthews scores one which ruined my Tim's pick for the day. Of course, all three picks I picked Leaf players, and none of those Leaf players scored. <laughs> oh, man. But We actually got away with one there, though, because it was actually Kasha that knocked it off. Yes. So since the refs had called that it was one of the Ducks players that did it, they had to keep those players on without changing, and then they had a face-off in the zone, so... Resulted in a little extra zone time for us and could have could have really helped, but ultimately didn't end up in anything substantial. You took the words right out of my mouth, Bean. Thank you for that, because <laughs> that's exactly my next note. But, you know, I an found... O- an ode to Meatloaf there. Yes. <laughs> nice but... one, Steph. That was very beautifully done. <laughs> Man, I know, but... Move it on. Uh, the fourth line had a good couple of shots, even though they didn't have too much time on the ice. I mean, our giraffe only had 9.16 tonight, but I found that he had a couple good chances. And uh, Anaheim ends up with another penalty after Lindholm slashes Matthews, who finally draws a penalty. I think it was his third of the season, believe it or not. It was a Christmas miracle, I thought. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So nice to see. 
Um, I was actually reading this stat the other day, and um, of course, bunting is one of the league leaders, and then Matthews is completely on the bottom. So when this happened, I was so happy. But of course, we have to talk about Matthews down to Marner, which one time passed to JT, who one times it in for his 16th of the year. Woo! It was a work of art. It was just pretty. It looked amazing. Yeah, it was really, really nice. So nice. Base kind of shades of the. Well, it was a little better executed, but almost the same thing they did with the Nylander goal, just on the other side of the net, right? Yeah, definitely. But it was so nice that uh, Keith didn't want to screw up the next power play because it was a five on three, and he calls a timeout and settles the guys the guys down a little and says, "Listen." We got to convert on this one too. And you guys know what to do. So do it. But of course, Marner, ding off the post. Matthews, shot blocked. Leafs lose the puck, head the other way. Jacob Silverberg comes out of the penalty box on a three on one, fresh as fuck, and just buries it. Ugh. I was mad. I was mad. <laughs> now, how about uh, for getting that second power or that second penalty um, for drawing it? How about Marner's rush in the zone to draw that penalty? Right, just yes. completely undressing Shattenkirk, making Shattenkirk look like he does with his helmet off. Right, like just someone who shouldn't be playing hockey anymore. Yes. This was vintage Marner that we've witnessed the last couple of years that we have been missing for so, so, so long. I feel like this has been Marner's best game in a while, if you judge the entirety of his gameplay. But unfortunate goal from Jacob Silverberg, and the period comes to an end. Shots are 31-11 to for the Leafs. They had a lot of a lot of confidence though. I mean, the Leafs pulled Campbell with one second left on the clock in the taking that offensive zone draw and hey, why not, right? One second, get the one shot in quick. I don't know. <laughs> I giggled when I saw that happening and I just thought what a ballsy move to make from Keith to pull that in it's only the period second period and let's just see if it can get a sneaky one so yeah that was cool ultimately there was no way the puck could go down the ice in that amount of time right so why not yeah definitely i remember was it a couple years ago where the kings actually scored with 0.1 of a sec or 0.3 of a second left on the clock now that was that was pretty memorable, so I was hoping for one of those and, situations, but And I think that was against the Bruins too. Oh, even better. If I remember correctly. <laughs> That's just the cherry on top. But um third period happens and Matthews, of course, has another shot blocked, I swear. He would have had ten shots by this point, but when I checked the app at at that time, he only was accredited for five, but Man, the Ducks and the Blocks tonight. New drinking game. Every time they say block, take a shot, you'd be hammered by now. (laughs) (laughs) 
especially for a Toronto shot to get blocked by the Ducks. It they only had 17 blocks tonight, but I it felt like 50. I don't know. Yeah, I think the person counting the blocks there in Scotiabank Arena maybe was a little bit off because there was no way that was all they had. Yeah. Had to have been more than that. Yeah, definitely. But Toronto goes on the penalty kill after Troy Terry draws a penalty and Dermot panics in front of the Leafs net and takes down Troy Terry. Bad positional play. Panicky. Can I know Dermot didn't really have his guy either, and but I gotta say, Marner intercepts a pass on this power play and spinoramas the puck out, literally going back to back with the guy. And whoo, love to see it! Yeah, you can really see with, with ice time that Keith is starting to lose some faith in Dermot, right. I know mm-hmm. Lilligren had the injury in the first, so he only played five minutes, but Dermot was the only defenseman under 20. Yeah. Like Dermot had 16 minutes. The next lowest was Hall with 21.53, and right up to Brody with 20, or sorry, Riley with 27.58. Yeah, definitely. He's... So it as, as much as Dermot has his upsides, he's, it looks like he's getting to be more of a better number seven option, right? Not not playing every game. We've all been, been saying we want that extra defenseman at the trade deadline, so we'll have to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right after this uh, penalty kill, though, Keefe kind of realized, like, yeah, it's 3-1. I better pull all the big boys together now. Let's throw out uh, Tavares Matthews Nylander and to put on the pressure in the ozone after that pk i i know they're not on the pk but damn i saw these lines being juggled all night long like i said earlier but yeah for sure and i think uh willie and austin really took each other out behind the net though at one point yeah (laughs) and the fourth line i gotta give credit to simmons in the third he had a great turnover behind gibson which forced the puck out to spezza nice play even though they didn't have much time on the ice tonight and i thought they were noticeable even with the almost seven minutes each but when they were there they were impactful so they played the role i actually was surprised about the minutes that line did i thought it was significantly higher than that because they looked like they were doing stuff constantly it was great yeah yeah when, when they were out there they were definitely noticeable and in a good way um, but it, it seemed like whenever there was a penalty on either side, it, they kind of like stacked up, right? So when stuff like that happens and you kind of have to throw the lines in a blender to make sure your big boys still get their minutes that they're accustomed to, that they kind of need to get to play at their best. So that, ha- that happens. And then your guys on the third and fourth line just start getting their ice time basically taken away, right? Even if it's no fault of their own. Yeah. Definitely. And just moving along, since we're getting close on time, Latiri tips a shot in front, a Shattenkirk shot, and Dermot doesn't box out his man, of course, leading to less trust from Keith. 
of course, but Shattenkirk was able to get it through, but not enough, or just enough for, to land on Letiri's stick. So that was unfortunate, and that's where we kind of just went 3 3. Oh, it was 3 1. I thought the curse was broken. Then we go into OT, and that was fun. <laughs> Now, did uh, a little off topic, but did you hear the little tidbit about Latiri's dad? I did not. Please inform us. He was the goalie for Team Canada in the 1986 World Cup of Soccer. Oh wow! Yeah, that's interesting. That's somewhat relevant right now because we're going through the qualifiers, right? So another game tomorrow: Canada versus Honduras. Nice athlete family. So. That's awesome. Yeah, de- definitely some athleticism in the in those genes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it just got passed down through the bloodline. So this guy probably just put on skates one day and he was an instant pro. <laughs> <laughs> but this overtime, man, JT and his dangles, especially around Zegras. I mean, he almost out-highlighted Zegras with a performance of his own with that spinorama move and the no-look shot between the legs on on Gibson what that was almost like a dance class waiting to happen <laughs> yeah. how awesome would that have been if it went in like oh I was so highlights hoping. real 101 yes yes especially against Trevor Zegris right because he's on top of the headlines right now and next Matthews oh what seems like he had all of the time in the world. I mean, he could have even retaped his stick in the meantime. Just shoots the puck so hard and he misses the top corner. And we're all like, damn. But this yet again, was- he had so many chances tonight. Yeah. He just kept getting denied, denied, denied with that block force of a team and this is why i have cam fowler on my fantasy team because this guy eats pucks for breakfast so (laughs) (laughs) but leafs fail to convert in ot after many many nice chances and many many gasping moments and we head to the shootout and spezza backhand beauty freezing gibson in his in his spot and then zagris Rolling puck in between the legs, off the stick of Campbell and in. Very unfortunate. Uh, We did not see that one going in. But don't fear. Terry could not score. Nylander could not either. But Matthews for the win. I think that's the first time I've I've seen him Sally in a shootout as well. Like, I think he was so frustrated that he couldn't get one tonight that it finally went in. And he did kind of a little half-ass Sally there. Yes, <laughs> I know. Quite rightly deserved. Yes. Yeah. 40th win as a leaf for Jack Campbell and 60th career NHL career win. Can you guys believe it? Only 60 so far. This guy's playing at the most elite level, in my opinion, anyways. And I got to ask, though. I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty, 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 Why? pretty good. Who was pretty good tonight? Let's start with you, Bean. Let's let Sarah go first. Oh, okay. I was going to say Sarah. She's our guest. Yes, please go ahead. I'll take over. 
Oh, I'm happy to. I my points go to JT. I thought he brought so much physicality to this game. He had a few good hits there. I thought good shots on goal, and he was all over the ice. And you know, two points and that overtime. It was just magic. What do you think, Bean? Um, I think I know where you're going to go, Steph, so I'll leave them for you. Um, I'm going to say the Sandman. Okay. Um, Sandine, like all the defense really, I, I didn't really have, aside from Dermot, I didn't really have too many complaints tonight. Getting down to only five D-men that early, mm-hmm. logging those amount of minutes, and then they still played pretty much. They didn't have, even really change their game anything more than you would expect. Like they were still participating in the rush. They didn't get too defensive trying to sit back, even though they were down so many guys, like they were down, right? Yeah. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Sandman. He's, he, he's going to be good for us for quite a long time now. Good picks. Good picks. Um, I think I'm going to go with our boy, Mitch Marner. I think he had one of the best games he's played this season so far, especially scoring four straight goals in four games, uh, three power play goals to put the cherry on top after a 101 game drought. So yeah, it has to go to Mitch Marner. And he's, he played 22 48 tonight. He was 50% on faceoffs, which is something he does not normally do so kudos for him but yeah good picks but we're going to take a quick break and uh during our break we're going to be featuring a song by one of leafs nation's musical talents uh paul Krupe. and this is Welcome back. That was Roaming Satellite by Polly Krupe. Make sure you just subscribe to him, guys, on YouTube and Spotify at Paul Krupe and also on Twitter at Polly Krupe. That is C-U-R-P-I. So to start off this next topic, it's something that is a little sensitive and tiring at this point, but so important to address, in my opinion, because we keep seeing... These incidents happen time and time again after what you would think uh, measures were put in place and people trying to find solutions to this problem. So pretty much a couple weeks ago on January 12th, the San Jose Barracuda forward Christoph Harbick was suspended 30 games for a racial gesture toward um, another player, Boko Imama, who is a black player. And then... Only last weekend, during a Sarnia Stingray and Jacksonville Iceman game, a scrum happened in the overtime period. 
and a player, Jacob Panetta of the Iceman, was allegedly performing a racist gesture towards opponent Jordan Subban. The good news, if you want to call it good, was that the ECHL acted swiftly the next day and suspended Jacob indefinitely pending a hearing, and later the team released him from the team after it being his second year on the team. Um, It's important to note, though, that the referees did kick out Jacob from from the game after this was noticed on the ice. His fellow teammates didn't jump into the scrum either, kind of like if they knew what was going on, and that the crowd was aggressively yelling the N-word as well. So Panetta rebuttals the allegation, saying that his gesture was taken the wrong way. It was supposed to be like a bodybuilder or a tough guy or a strong guy stance, not a monkey gesture as the stance represented to everyone else and he says that there's footage of him doing this tough guy stance from previous games so we all know the bottom line of this is that it is disgusting it is not welcomed in on or off the ice in any sport any time of day but my problem is is that just like adam and blake discussed on the steve daniel dangle podcast is with how comfortable people seem to be with it at this point of age. I don't know. It just seems like a new story of every other week and nothing being done in the meantime. And I'm really interested to know what you guys think of this situation. And um, I also realize we hold a sense of privilege as well. And we recognize this and this is also a very important topic. So yeah. Hundred percent. Like, if and I saw all the tweets, the back and forth on Twitter. I saw the video that he referenced from previously. Um, I don't care what it is. If it is something that you do that could be perceived by a minority as being mm-hmm. a racist attack on them, maybe you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Yeah. Like. When his own teammates weren't even trying to stick up for him, I think you kind of, they knew the context that he was trying to use it in. Yeah. Especially in a sport like hockey, you, no matter what happens, you stick up for your teammates. And even his own teammates were walking away from that and good on them and good on the league for doing that. <clears throat> Batman, that's kind of how things are supposed to be done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Reminder. Like, it, yeah. It, it, and, yeah, it's just it's we shouldn't be having these discussions in 2022 because we should be past it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent agree, and full support is given to everybody who wants to be involved in hockey. I mean, we all like chirping. We all, I'm an Aussie. We take the piss out of absolutely anything. So a chirp's <laughs> a chirp until we overstep the line and cause offence. And and this situation, perhaps it, he thought he wasn't being. A racial gesture but the intent doesn't matter the impact is exactly what we get judged on yes. every single day and this gesture well overstepped the line of acceptance it personally insulted not only the Suban family but millions of others and I would have hoped given the recent really powerful HGA campaign 
we would have a catalyst for people to think carefully of the impact of their words and their actions and not make these insensitive comments. I mean, let's keep the chirps about Yo Mama and not about somebody's skin colour. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's it's just, like I said, beyond and what Blake said on the show, it's, it's the baseline at this point and we don't need to be having this conversation that is disgusting and shouldn't be having yada 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 we want to talk about how we can improve moving forward and what we can do as someone who holds privilege in a sense that we are white people and um i really liked that the iceman chief's executive officer andy kuffman said in a statement that to be clear, our core values as an ownership group includes zero tolerance for racism or any forms of hate against any group. We apologize to anyone who is offended and look forward to the beginning of the process of healing together as one. And I also, if you haven't, if anyone hasn't watched it yet, watch the interview that PK Subban did while addressing the media about this incident. It is so. It's so heartbreaking but powerful at the same time because we've done – I don't know what – what does the league do at this point besides doing nothing? I mean, <laughs> the NHL sets the tone for other leagues in the entire world. And back on June 8th, 2020, the NHL actually announced that a Hockey Diversity Alliance was formed was to be formed by seven current players at the time and other former players. Funny enough, Evander Kane was named as one of the co-heads of the organization whose mission is to eradicate the racism and intolerance in hockey. But the league said that they hoped that the NHL and alliances can work together. Is this happening? No, it's not. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the, the tape out, um, the tape out campaign to where they like the HDA has released a roll of hockey tape um, that you can buy and the proceeds go towards helping try to put an end to stuff like this. And they did a a very, very powerful video um, Mm -hmm. featuring Matt Dumba featuring a, a handful of players in the league. And the NHL actually told them that they couldn't wear NHL merchandise in the video. Wow. That is why huh. none of them are, are wearing their, their team jerseys or anything like that. So the NHL is doing more than just doing nothing. They're actually basically trying to hinder it. Ugh. Because how much more it, powerful would it have been with those jerseys that we all recognize? People might not recognize the man, but they'll always recognize the jersey. Ab- absolutely. If people just see a, a blank hockey jersey or see hda on it they might not understand what hda is if they saw a minnesota mm-hmm. wild jersey or toronto maple leaf jersey or chicago black you know, right like you you name the team they're gonna see that and they're mm-hmm. probably gonna watch the video just because they see a jersey and they want to know what's going on yeah so they're 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 completely dropping the ball by they're not just sitting back they're basically trying to put up roadblocks one Definitely, thing a big yeah. takeaway Sorry, sorry, Steph, I bought one of the, the big takeaways for me is that John Tavares came out in his practice press conference and publicly announced his and his team's disgust with the situation. And that was then backed up by Simmons stating that the, lock, his, the Leafs locker room 
is one of the most comfortable he's ever felt in the NHL. So I'm not saying that our guys are any better, but it's nice to have that from our own team. Mm-hmm. Definitely, especially when your captain steps up like that, just like you said, uh, you lead by example, and that's exactly how the league should be leading by example with all of these hockey alliances, with the groups that they have formed. And the only thing we can do is empathize, educate, and set an example, in my opinion. Um, I just want to read a little blurb that um, a fellow hockey player Mercilius, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, Mercilius Subban, who played for the Saginaw spirit of the OHL. I'm not too sure the relation between the Subban brothers, but he does hold the last name. But this is what he said on the incident, and I found it really interesting because I can't speak to it personally, but this is just an example of people feel... Every time a racial incident on the ice occurs, I get emotionally triggered by all the memories of hate and ignorance that that has always been in the game of hockey at every level. What infuriates me is that every time I've been called an N-word on the ice, I have somehow become the problem because hockey culture says you're a distraction with a bad attitude if you speak up. I have been suspended more games responding to ignorance than any of these kids combined, no matter what racist thing or gesture was made towards me. I've had newspaper articles written about me suggesting I've lost control without even hinting at the fact that someone has done or said hateful things. Enough is enough. This is beyond pathetic. And he just goes on to say that we need to stop the ignorance and not. Things like this will never stop him from achieving his goal. But reading that broke my heart because when you try and speak out against something, it just, it's like backlash against you. It's so true. That kind of, it kind of goes with the, the little blurb that was released about Simmons, right? How Simmons brought up that Tavares started his media availability denouncing what happened and like without even being asked about it right like he brought it up and then you go in and reading it in the interview with Simmons and he yes it's wonderful that he feels the most comfortable he's ever felt with the Leafs it's Mm -hmm. wonderful that a team that we cheer for is that kind of organization but then look at it the other way how sad is that his rookie year was 2008-2009 it took him 16 full NHL seasons to feel this comfortable in a locker room. Insane. Absolutely heartbreaking. It, and it yet is. he still turned up every day and trained and and traveled and associated with, with the teams that he was with. So it goes back to resilience and strength and strengthen their own comfort. And if they shouldn't have to use that, they should be focusing on being the best player they can be on the ice and not, worried about anything else who yeah yeah it's it's I don't know I'm I'm at a loss for words sometimes because it's one of those things where you would never expect it happening but at the same time you're like oh why is this happening and it just takes your breath away in the worst way possible and 
I stand by these players, any marginalized players. I mean, we say hockey is for everyone, but clearly it isn't for everyone. But we need to say, how about let's make hockey for everyone? I know I'm quoting someone from that and I don't have the name off the top of my head, but how can we, you know, let make make hockey for everyone, not just say, oh, it is for everyone sort of thing, because we know the amount of privilege it takes to play the sport to begin with. And I can't imagine how these players are feeling without a name like Subban on the back of their jersey. If it's just a minor league player who doesn't have these connections or the podium to speak about these incidents and the exposure from the media. So, but segueing into our next topic on diversity and representation in hockey, we got to talk about the women, you know, because a couple things happened in the last few weeks that I'm pretty proud of. Like, these are like my children or something, but <laughs> Um, first, I just want to bring up that um, at an LA Kings game a couple weeks ago, uh, trainer Aisha Visram was the first female to work a regular season game behind the bench. Woohoo! That deserves a little clap. Well, and secondly, this was the highlight of the week for me, is that Emily Castell I know I'm just butchering this name, but maybe Bean, you can help me out with this name. You were pretty near perfect. It's Emily Castonguay. Castonguay. Okay. And I'm sure that has a French accent to go with it. I don't know. (laughs) But she becomes the first female assistant general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. Emphasis on the Canucks because... Before reading the story, and this is just my ignorance to hockey history like I've discussed on previous episodes, is that she joins the only other female assistant general manager, Angela Gorgon, who held the position with the Mighty Ducks in 96 and 97. So kudos to her. It's been a long time since we've had a female hold a position like that in the league and these appointments made me so happy. Um, Emily has a superb career with outstanding qualifications, but if she was a man, would we be discussing her qualifications or would we just accept the appointment without without that? I mean, regardless of how or what or why, she's definitely the best person for the role and diverse representation at all levels is important for the success of the game. So kudos to the Canucks and, and think of how big our our employment sphere can now be. We can now cherry pick the best of the best, regardless of their gender. And women yeah. are actually an untapped market in this sport. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I suppose. Uh... Sorry. No, please go ahead. Finish your, your thought. Well, I was just thinking that is there enough? out there and I was actively trying to find all the top women or some of the top women that were out there and we've got um, Kemi Granato and, and Blake Bolden that are scouts and if there are more, please let me know. I, I want to know these women and I want to be able to support them and, and learn from them. Mm-hmm. We yeah, even um, you have, even going down a little further, you have Haley Wickenheiser with the Leafs. Yeah. 
And then you're starting to see a lot more on the broadcast side of things as well, which it, it's it's welcome. Like I had touched on it a couple episodes ago with Johnny. The only the only thing that can come from getting a more diverse player group, more diverse management group, more diverse coaching is the improvement of the game. Because mm-hmm. Sarah in Australia and then us here in Ontario we were raised differently from each other. So no matter what situation we're put in, whether it's playing the game on the ice, whether it's trying to negotiate a contract, trying to negotiate a trade, we're all going to look at it from a slightly different angle. And if you have that many different viewpoints, it can only make things better. Yeah, definitely. And um, I found it interesting too with the... with Emily here is that she was once an agent, right? Representing current... NHL players like Alexi, Alexi Lafreniere, um, Cedric Pe- Paquette, Antoine Roussel. Um, she's also she also represented Marie Philippe Poulin, who was a three time Olympic medalist. And the most interesting part of not even her resume resume, but her story was that the sad part is that her sister tragically died about 10 years ago from a medical error while undergoing a rhinoplasty. But during their last conversation, um, she, her sister told her that one day she was going to be the manager of the Vancouver Canucks. And after that, she made a vision board and wrote Vancouver on it about five or six years ago. And knew that she wanted to be in Vancouver at some point of her of her life. So when this opportunity came up, she said it was a no brainer because it was kind of meant to be. And of course, she has a long, long, impressive resume. And so does um, another interesting story with Angela Gargone. I really, I highly recommend people out there to look up her story. And she had the highest praise from Lou. Lum- Lamorello who took her under his wing and so interesting I wish we had more time to talk about it but um, I hope the NHL continues to partner with women in hockey and bring us ways to watch hockey because I was talking to Sarah the other day saying I have no idea how to watch games because even if I go on a stream there's no option to watch women's hockey for me but that's yeah. one of the reasons is because they don't put any like no one puts any resources into it if you do get a stream it looks like it was filmed on a, a doorbell camera like it's <laughs> it, really unless it's an olympic event they don't get any any coverage from any of the networks it's it's really sad because some of the the women's games i know Olympics is a little different than the league games because you have the best of the best all together. But like some of those Canada US gold medal games and that are some of the best hockey out there. Doesn't matter that they're women. Yeah. It's still ridiculously good hockey. Hundred percent. I mean, as an example, this set uh, upcoming Friday night games for your you guys. We've got two women's games are being aired on the ESPN app and they're the NCAA, Yale versus Brown and St. Lawrence versus Dartmouth. So oh. in comparison, there are five or six NCAA men's games being streamed on the same app. And when we start to give these women the same investment that we give the men, 
that's when we'll start to see their marketability go up. So we'll be able to afford to pay them some more so they won't be having full-time jobs and trying to train and be professionals in their own right. Once we, we need to make sure they've got the best venues, the entertainment needs to be top-notch and our commentators need to know more about what they are and how strong these players are. Yeah. You're right, Bean. I'm really looking forward to the Olympics, watching these women fly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's some progress and we see it as time unveils. And uh, Steve Dangle actually released a new podcast on the network, which features uh, Liz Knox and Corel Imard, um, who are pr- former hockey players. I mean, Corel. I believe still plays and they also have long impressive resumes and I am I for one I'm so looking forward to listening how life is from their perspective because with the Leafs with with the NHL in general we see these little videos online of oh what's your favorite color what's your favorite video game etc etc but we never see inside the lives of these female hockey players or have any exposure to it i mean i was so embarrassed to think that i couldn't even tell you one women's team name from a league that's and of course partially my fault but at the same time i wish it was just as you know in reach as i can pick up my phone and click on my nhl app and have everything in front of me so yeah that's sort of what I'm trying to do, I suppose, find these women and find these teams and actually watch them as closely as we watch our leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it, it, it hasn't helped that there's been a lot of fighting with the different leagues over the last handful of years. Well, COVID obviously hasn't helped anything either, but um, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of fighting in between the leagues, and that was a convenient excuse for Batman not to get involved, right? Just oh yeah. well, when there's one when there's one league, we can we can get involved. But as of right now, we're not going to com- help compete one league over the other type thing. Yeah. Well, just brings me forward to um, our next little uh, suggestion. I just want to say to everyone out there listening that to move forward with our last two topics there are options to donate to great charities out there and i really hope that people take the time and do their research and actually make an effort and give some donations for example we have the black girl hockey club uh, which has the get uncomfortable campaign and it's a pledge to disrupt racism on and off the ice and make hockey more welcoming for everyone and there's also a Scarborough Health, Na- uh, Scarborough Health Network Foundation. This is more specifically for the hospitals in the area, which focus on the most diverse community within Canada. And our boys, Michael Bunting and Wayne Simmons, recently got behind this movement and represented wearing T-shirts saying, Toronto isn't Toronto with us, without us. And they deserve the same type of innovative technology and updated facilities just as our Toronto hospitals offer. So check them out. It's at lovescarbro.ca. Okay, I know we're uh, getting a little short on time here, but I just wanted to play a little, little game of belief or disbelief if you guys are up for it. 
So the rules sure. of the game are simple. I will ask you. I will. I'll state one statement to you, and you simply have to say if you believe or disbelief, and tell me why. So, first one. Sheldon Keefe will keep the core separated on different lines moving forward. Sarah, what do you think? I believe, I believe the core this day, this, this game had two points each. So it shows that they mixed up the lines and it worked in this situation. Yeah, fair. How about you, Bean? Now, are you saying like they're quote-unquote standard line like how it'll be written on the game sheet type thing because like we saw tonight it kind of goes all over the place right yes yes Um, that's where i'm referring to so we see the projective lineup and willie's on the third we have matthews on the first and then the other half on the second i'm gonna say disbelief because there's bound to be whether it's in the playoffs or whether we had a little rough patch towards the end of the season there's going to be a time where we need to go back to what works right it's a proven commodity we know it works this is the kind of thing you can do when you have a little bit of a winning streak or you have a a, a good situation in the points so you know if, if you did screw something up and lose a couple of games it's not going to be the end of the world Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to say no, they won't stay like this. They'll continue shuffling, go back to what they were, come back to this, maybe even go to something new. Okay, fair answers. Our second is Josh Hosang will appear on the Leafs roster at some point this season. And I know we talked about this before on another episode and there's limitations, but if there was a possibility to lift them, what do you say? belief on this one as well. I think he came out yesterday saying that they were in discussions with Kyle Dubas about an NHL opportunity, except with the Olympics coming, he, they all decided to hold him back in the AHL. So if he had signed that contract, he wouldn't have gone to the Olympics. And this is an opportunity for this relatively young player to have his cake and eat it too. We've still got two or three weeks left before the trade deadline post Olympics. So we can get and see him, in action over there and then make that final call yeah yeah absolutely he's definitely in my opinion he's definitely going to be on the Leafs for opening of the playoffs so even tweets that came out today because there he's done a lot of media over the last couple days being named to the Olympics like he's even said that if a team that wasn't the Leafs came and offered him a contract he wouldn't do anything without speaking to Dubas first because of the respect yeah, because of the respect that Dubas and the whole MLSE organization has shown him in trying to rebuild his career, right? It, he, The comments that he said have just reassured me that, okay, we might complain about Dubas and that here and there, but we really got to gotta really sit back and realize that the organization's in good hands. Yeah, I really liked that he said too that uh, he's he felt – that what's helped his game is that he felt like his opinion was heard and that really inspired him to be better on the ice. So, oh, good answers, guys. And we didn't really see this coming with him being in the Olympic lineup. It was a shocker. 
for me anyways, but so happy for the guy and happy that he is uh, healing off his concussion as well. Because that wasn't really spread in the media. But our third take, since this is episode number 36, we are dedicating these last two to Jack Campbell. So Toronto waits until the offseason to sign Jack Campbell, if not when. What are you thinking, Sarah? I see you pondering there. I don't care when they sign him, as long as they get him and keep him in our team. I think he brings so much to not only to the Leafs Nation, but also to the lads. They enjoy playing with Jack. So if we can get him early, great. But I think we just need to get him. Mm-hmm. I, I think it might come down to what his preferences are, right? We've seen it in the past. Some players, they doesn't matter if the contract's up or not. They don't want anything to do with it during the season. Um, and with his demeanor, with he, with how he carries himself, I could almost see him kind of be that type of player, right? Just playing my game, worrying about it today, worrying about tomorrow. Like, we can deal with the contract another day. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it'll probably be at some point in the off season, but and it'd likely be before the draft and definitely before free agency officially opens up. Fair. I was hoping it was like three months ago, but they're really making us wait. And <laughs> <laughs> my patience is wearing thin, so I hope it happens sooner. But you guys might be right, especially with the calf space situation. And if they were to sign it, they'd just lose even more right now. And We'll see what he what Dubis does before the trade deadline. But last one. Jack Campbell wins the Vesna trophy. Belief or disbelief? Oh, without a strong D in front of him, I think we're letting him down. I thought he came out this season absolutely blocking everything. It didn't matter who was in front and now, I don't know if it's a bit of fatigue and I'm not dissing Jack at all. I won't have anyone pick on him. He's my lad. But <laughs> we need to make sure we look after him so he can do his best. He's up there for contention. I just don't know that we'll, yeah. Yeah, but as much as I would love to see it between Vasilevsky and Shesterkin and even UC Saros is having a hell of a year, like, He's definitely, yeah, yeah. He he's definitely had the best case for a Toronto goalie in the Vesna conversation, probably in the last twenty years. All respect to Freddie. Um, yeah, well, that's a fair point. But yeah, as much as I would love to say it, I don't think he's even in the top five. And well, he'll maybe top five in voting by the end of the year. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair point. And um, just as another closing remark, I just want to give out a shout out to the great one who turned 61 today, Wayne Kretzky. And also, I just want to ask you guys, any guesses to who currently holds the Leafs' longest playing streak right now and the current roster and in history? I mean, this week we saw a... um, Keith Yandel passed a new Ironman record with his 965th consecutive NHL game. I'm just wondering if you guys know who's the current Leaf who holds the record. 
present and past. Maybe being this might be more up your alley. No cheating. So are you talking like consecutive, like Iron Man, like Yandel? Yes. Yes. Presently on the roster and previously. So I just got to look at the roster. I'm not looking up the the actual question. I'm just looking at the roster to see who's on. Um, it can't. But it's not Nylander. No. Current actor. Again, one? this is a tricky one. Actually, this is active. NHL streak, not just for Leafs. So consecutive Ironman streak in the NHL that currently plays on the Leafs roster. I don't want to have a bad podcast airtime and have dead space, so I'll uh, I'll give up and let you tell me. It is David Camp with 165 games played, including tonight with time against or with the Chicago Blackhawks as well. Believe it or not, one of our new guys on the roster. And previously, it was Tim Horton with 486 games played between 1961 and 1968. But special shout out to Phil Kessel, who's actually not too far behind of Keith Yando with 915 consecutive games played. So he can easily pass this record if he plays next year and Yandel retires. Yep. Uh, another birthday shout out to um, Paul Newman. I know he's an actor, but he played uh, one of the best characters in probably the best hockey movie that's ever been created. Coach nice. Reggie, Coach Reggie Dunlop from Slapshot. Paul Newman was nice. born on this day back in 1925. Wow. Where do you uh, find this stuff, Bing? <laughs> That's what he does in his spare time. So, so Sarah, have you ever seen Slapshot? I have not. Oh, I'm going to Google gotta watch it and it. find it. Do not watch it with your kids. Um, <laughs> <and> Thank you. <laughs> it, it can be a little crude, especially for a young one. So definitely do not watch it with the kids. But it is it is worth a watch, 100%. Wow, 1972 film. Okay. There you go, yeah. Oh, no, 1977. And then, and then on this day in 1921, Corb Denany had six goals for the Toronto St. Pats in a 10-3 win over the Hamilton Tigers. Good to know. Wow. Very interesting. And before we sign off, uh, do you have any closing remarks, Sarah? Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Of course. Always happy to have members of Leaf Nation on the pod and to also highlight Leafs Nation music. Be sure to follow Paul Krupe on Twitter and YouTube, Spotify, all that good stuff. And any last remarks, Bean? Just uh, there will be some things to look for in the Olympics. There's roughly 33 players that have been named to Olympic teams that have either currently or at one point been associated with the Leafs. So for Leafs Nation, there's a lot to watch. Okay. 
that much uh, wraps it up for us. So thanks, guys, for joining us tonight. Really appreciate you guys on the episode. And thank you to everyone who also submitted their music to, to me yesterday and wanted to get featured on the show. We'll be sure to reach out and set that up. And also, don't forget to donate. I'm going to put the links in our episode description, so don't worry. Um also, follow Justin Bean at J-B-I-E-H-N 25 and Sarah at Sar underscore Wa on Twitter. I'm trying to get the outro to work, but it's not working, so I'll put it in the, in the end. So. Every time. <laughs> this happens every time. I don't know why. Johnny, figure this out. <laughs> this is Leaf Lady. Thank you, guys. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more.